Yeah, we're going to start in Philippians 4, but before you go there, I, w- I was mentioning that verse from Ephesians, and I wanted to read it to you. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse, verse 19. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. It says, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building, fitly framed together, groweth up in a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. And that's just the, the, the little passage, but especially verse 20, that I had on my heart. Uh, just as we were praying and God was birthing this, this new church, this new fellowship, Verse 20 says, are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. And uh, that's where it all begins. Amen. With the Lord Jesus, all of creation and certainly the creation of his church and individual salvation and uh, birth of this church. We want it to be that and strive for it to be that. Uh, Amen. Let's turn to Philippians chapter four. We're going to begin reading in verse 11. Philippians 4 verse 11 says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And the, the verse we're really going to focus on today is verse 11 where he talks about, uh, I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Okay? And that word learned, y'all, there's just a couple of definitions I've given right at the beginning, but learned means to understand. So not just to hear something. You know, a lot of times in school, you might have to memorize a long list of something and just basically... Uh, crank it back out for a test and then you forget it you know 15 minutes later that's not what this is talking about learned means to understand to receive something received or instruction and there's a learning that we have in the Lord and from the Lord that is different than all other types of learning it's a learning of the Holy Spirit it's a learning in our hearts that comes from God and um the, the Bible says, uh, for example, and you don't have to turn there in Ephesians 4, where Paul was talking about the Gentiles and all the way they lived and followed after their own lust and so forth. But he says, but you have not so learned Christ. And, and there's a difference in our learning of Christ and walking with the Lord. It's a, it's a working of his spirit in our lives. And Jesus said this in John chapter 6, if you're taking notes, verse 45, uh, it is written in the prophets. And this is what was written in the prophets. And they shall all be taught of God. Every man, therefore, which that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. So there's a teaching of God. And there are men, and it's not every man, but every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father, Jesus said, comes to me. So there's a learning, there's a hearing, there's being taught by the Lord. And that is always going to bring men to Christ. Always. It's going to be the end result of that. It's going to bring them into a relationship with the Lord and then a cro- closer relationship with the Lord. It's not just a, a bunch of learning, a bunch of uh, biblical trivia or facts. And I'm not opposed to learning the Bible and knowing the names of the 12 disciples and being able to recite the Ten Commandments. I think that's helpful and beneficial. But what's being taught here and what Paul said he learned is this teaching of the Lord. And it brings us to Christ and it brings us to a place of a proper understanding of ourselves and of the Lord. And when he says that back in in, in Philippians 4.11 that I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. That's very important, y'all. That's very, very important. That content means there literally means to suffice, to be enough. It's enough. Okay, I've learned in the Lord that it's enough, that he's enough. That what He's given me in life is enough. It means to be satisfactory. And the Word of God tells us, for example, to be content with our wages. I'm just listing a few among many things that we're to be content in. 
It specifically says, be content with your wages. Be content if you have food or raiment or clothing, okay? Be content with that. Be content with such things as you have. It means to be satisfied. And you know, a lot of people, and even Christians, a lot of believers, and many times in my life, uh, we're not content. We're not content um, with life. We think that life's not fair. We think that we look over, you know, and, and you, the, the old cliche about it, the, the grass is always greener on the other side. And I heard some little story, uh, I was, you know, it's almost like an allegory, a little picture that these two mules, they, they each lived on their own fields and there was a, a fence between them. And both had these luscious green fields to eat from, but both of them were sticking their heads over eating the grass out of the other one until they got their their necks caught in the fence and they couldn't get out and they were trapped. But it's, it's like a trap. And people just think that life's not fair sometimes. And they look at somebody else and say they're more of an athlete. They're, they're, they have more money. They they're, have a better sense of humor. They're better looking. People like them more. I'm overlooked. And it's not of the Lord. That attitude is not. You'll go through life and there'll always be somebody that has more than you, even in the church. There'll be somebody that has a nicer uh, house, a nicer job, a nicer whatever it may be. Uh, they're taller, they're stronger, they're whatever. And there'll always be that, okay? There'll always be that. Our contentment doesn't come from that. And this is something that Paul learned. And there's some people that go through life and they're, they're almost are not happy, so to speak, unless they have something to complain about. They, they wear their little deficiency or their weakness almost like a badge. But the Lord wants to free them from that. He wants to free us from that. To find. Maybe you're real, real short. Okay? Or you're real, real whatever. Or whatever in life that you just don't like. And, and it's almost like everybody knows about it. And it's poor you because you're like this. And yet God wants to set you free from that. You know, God wants to give us that purpose and that contentment in Jesus Christ and in no one else. And that's where it comes from. Look at in your Bibles to First Timothy chapter six, and we're just going to look at some things this morning. Um, how the Lord teaches us and He leads us to by His Spirit to be content in Him. First Timothy chapter six. Let's pick up in verse five. We'll read five through nine. But perverse disputings of men and corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that. Um, Gain is godliness from such withdraw thyself, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, that's clothing, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. So he's saying here that the discontentment, so let's say for, for wealth and all that wealth can buy and provide for life. He's using that as an example right here. They that will be rich. It doesn't say that they that are rich or they that are poor. They will. It's what they're pursuing after. They will, they're willing and pursuing after being rich. They, it says they fall into it. It doesn't say they might. It says they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare. And it says this is uh, this drowns men in destruction and perdition. It's actually a falling away. It says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Literally, that's tra translated all kinds of evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things, follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, uh, meekness. And so... He's talking about here how the if we're not content, y'all, if we're not content, and Paul said, I learned this, okay, but if we're not content as believers, as Christians, we're born again, okay, if we're not content in Christ, then the only alternative, alternative to that would be to be discontent, right? We're discontent. We're not content in our state, in our lot in life. We don't like the cards that are dealt us, so to speak. We just think uh, it's unfair. And let me tell you something, life's unfair. And God is a God of mercy. And thank the Lord that we don't get, people say, oh, I deserve better. No, we don't. We don't deserve better. 
I mean, we talked about sin this morning. The wages of sin is death. That's what I deserve. That's what I've earned. It's earned me that. And I paid my good hard sin. And what my sin earned me was death. And that's what I deserve. And anything this side of, of death and hell is a blessing from the Lord. But if we're not content in the Lord, then we're prone to be discontent. We're prone to be covetous. And it can, uh, can lead to blaming God. It can lead to blaming others, even within the body of Christ. Blaming others. It can lead to worse things. Blasphemy against the Lord. Falling away from God. That's what Paul talked about there. can lead to stealing and things like this. And I want to look at a good example of this in the Bible. Turn to the Old Testament to 2 Kings chapter 5. And we know the story of Naaman the leper and Elisha, you know, the the follower of Elijah, and God used him so mightily. And there, here's Naaman the Syrian that comes, he's, and he's healed of this leprosy by going. Um, Elisha does, you know, sends him to the Jordan River. It's a whole muddy river. And he says, go wash in the river seven times. And he did after some objection, but he went and he washed. And the seventh time he came up whole, and the leprosy was gone, and his flesh was healthy like a little baby's flesh. And he came back, and wanted to give a reward to Naaman. I mean, I'm sorry, to Elisha. And let's look at, at 2 Kings 5, 15 and 16. And he returned to the man of God. This is chapter 5, verse 15. He returned to the man of God. He and all his company, because he had a big entourage with him. He's an important man. And came and stood before him. And he said, Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth, but in Israel. Now, therefore, I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant. So what Naaman is saying, I'm a wealthy man. I've been healed of this deadly disease. And I know it's God that did it. And you're the man of God. And I want to give you some reward for this. But he said, <coughs> this is Elisha. As he said, as the Lord liveth before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. All right, I want you to skip down the same story. Uh, we'll skip down to verse 19. And he said unto him, Go in peace. So he departed from him a little way. But, but Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Behold, my master had spared Naaman the Syrian in not receiving at his hand that which he brought. But as the Lord liveth, I will run after him and take somewhat of him. So Gehazi's this servant of Elisha's. And he's discontent he's, he's look he's like okay my master didn't receive anything but you know secretly i'm going to go and i'm going to get something from him and so gehazi followed after naaman and elisha didn't know that this was going on when the lord showed him but he didn't see it when it happened and when naaman saw him running after him he lighted down from the chariot to meet him and said is all well he said all is well my master has sent me saying behold even now there be come to me from Mount Ephraim two young men of the sons of the prophets. Give them, I pray thee, a talent of silver and two changes of garments. And Naaman said, Be content, take two talents. And he urged him and bound two talents of silver in two bags with two changes of garments and laid them upon two of his servants and they bear them before him. So these two servants with all this silver and stuff are going back with Gehazi. And, and when he came to the tower, he took them from the hand and bestowed them in, his, in the house. And he let the men go, and they departed. So it was all kind of a secret thing from Elisha. But he went in and stood before his master. And Elisha said unto him, Whence comest thou, Gehazi? And he said, Thy servant went nowhere. And he said unto him, Went not my heart with thee when the man turned again from his chariot to meet thee? Is it a time to receive money and to receive garments and olive yards and vineyards and sheep and oxen and men servants and maid servants? The leprosy therefore of Naaman shall cleave unto thee and unto thy seed forever. And he went out from his presence a leper as white as snow. And I just was thinking about this because the man, it just showed he was discontent. And when we, and it's just like Paul was saying, we fall into snares of the devil. We fall into perdition. It's not that God doesn't want us to, um, to work hard and to enjoy the fruit of our labor. Ecclesiastes talks a lot about that. 
and that he doesn't want us to have nice things. It, it's the fact that if our heart is set upon those things, it says in 1 John, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For all the love, you know, all that's in the world is going to pass away. But he that does the will of God abides forever. And so if, if any man loves the world, it says the love of the Father is not in him. And this man had the privilege to me, the servant of being the servant of a wonderful prophet that God was using so mightily. The blessings that would come from that. Just being faithful to the Lord, his own relationship with the Lord and all that it could have been. But he was he was hungry after a few more pieces of silver jingling in his pocket. And that was maybe a lot for him. But still, in all that he went through, he had to lie about the story to Naaman. He had to lie to Elisha. And what did it cost him? It cost him a lot. It cost him leprosy. It said to him and to his descendants forever. And there's a wonderful scripture, y'all, in Proverbs. And I thought about this. Proverbs 37 and 8. And it says, two things have I uh, required of thee. This is his prayer. Deny me them not before I die. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me, lest I be full and deny thee and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. There's a lot of wisdom in that, right? And so, again, it's not a sin to be rich. It's not a sin to be poor. It's a sin to pursue after those things at the expense of our heart, at the expense of, uh, of walking with God and obeying the Lord. And pursuing after those things. And if God can. Uh, if God has given you the power to get wealth. The Bible says he gives us power to get wealth. But but we want to do it in such a way that honors the Lord. And we know it's the Lord. Elisha knew it was God that healed Naaman. Naaman knew it was God that healed him. And he knew that that was a man of God. And Elisha didn't need his silver. God was taking care of him. He wasn't going to re- receive a reward. For something that God did. And Gehazi was covetous, and he went after it. There's a little illustration I heard of. There was a two two gravestones, two tombstones over in England somewhere, where there's a husband and wife buried by each other. And on the wife's uh, tombstone, it said she died in want of things. She just died longing for more stuff. And on the man, the husband's tombstone, it said he died trying to give it to her. I mean, it was all, you know, just not content. Just um, going through life that way. But Paul said, I've learned. And this is something, y'all, that can be learned. It's something that God wants to teach us. And the Lord is the one that teaches us that. The Lord is, our, is the one who teaches us all, all that. It's also possible for somebody not to learn to be content. Okay? Just like any spiritual lesson in life. And let's just talk to believers now. It's, it's possible for you and I to learn these things. And it's possible for us to not learn what God's trying to teach us. And I would say for myself and just for anybody, if we would be quick to yield to what the Lord's trying to show us. Be quick to yield, even though it might be hard. Maybe it's something you've never done before. And the Lord's really trying to bring you to that next growth step in your walk with Him. Or level of obedience to where you've really not been there before. And it's taken a measure of faith that you've never had before. Be quick to yield to the Lord. When you know it's God, don't resist what the Lord's trying to do. He is kind. He's good. It's, it may be very hard. It may be very scary. But God's going to bring us through. You'll always find that He's undergirding you in all that you do. And He wants to teach us those things. But it's possible not to learn. I could just go through life and grumble. I could go through, put a big smile on my face when we're around believers like y'all, but inwardly just grumble and complain and uh, be depressed and, and, and only happy when all's right with the world, so to speak. You know, it's very rare in anybody's life where everything's just all right. You know, everything's just perfect. I used to think, y'all, when I was in college and I had surrendered my life to the Lord, I used to think, all right, when I graduate, college and finish up then I'm because school is so hard you know whatever I'm going to be happy or when I get a wife then I'm going to be happy when I get a uh, a decent job or whatever then you know, it was always the next thing out there you know 
there's always the next thing. Well, when I get the house paid for, when, you know, everything's always still out there. And the Lord is saying, no, you, you're, Paul learned to be content in whatsoever state he was in. He learned that. He could have, he could have gone through life not learning that. And for him, it would always been if this was fixed, right? If this would be fixed, something in my health, something in my finances, something in my family, something uh, if this was just fixed. And, and that's that's a lie. It's like a trap because God wants in the midst of our circumstances, wants to give us a peace and a contentment, a contentment right now. And in every circumstance, Paul and Silas were in prison and they were beat. And they weren't tended to. So they got open sores and they're chained up in the inner part of the prison in stocks on their hands and feet. And they're praising God at midnight and worshiping the Lord. All was not right with the world, but all was right with them and God. And they knew that. And Paul says to, uh, to, to, to part and be with Christ is far better. To live as Christ, to die is gain. That's when you're really dead to yourself like that and you're content in the Lord. And nobody can, you know, nobody can hurt a man like that. You couldn't take anything from them to hurt them because they have their contentment in Jesus Christ and only in him. But the Bible says that, you know, we and the, the key to all this, I believe, is to have a humble heart. We talked about that in Sunday school to have a heart that's a willing heart that's that's yielded to the Lord, that's quick to listen. We might all in ourselves get prideful. And lift it up just the pride of life and a stubbornness that comes with it. But when the Lord touches that, as soon as He puts His finger on something in your life and you know it's the Lord and kind of smites your heart a little bit to real quickly surrender. Don't fight. Don't, there's a lot of things we do fight against. Don't fight against the working of God in your life. What He's trying to teach you. It says in Isaiah, uh, I'm just going to read it because I wrote it down. Isaiah chapter 1, 19 and 20. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Now I understand that might have been spe speaking specifically about something with Israel and, and things that they were facing. But we do see that if you're willing and obedient, you're going to receive the blessings of the Lord. If we refuse and rebel, you know, we still are a free moral agent. Adam and Eve chose to eat the fruit that they were forbidden to eat. We have choices even as believers. Now, the difference is we have the now as, now as a saved man, I have the Holy Spirit convicting me in my conscience and actually living in me and the word of God to guide and direct me, which is such a blessing. But even still, we, we can make choices, right? We can make choices tonight. You could have chose to not come today. It's, it's up to us. We could choose to not read your Bible. We could choose to watch something on TV. We shouldn't. But you and I have to have a humble, teachable spirit. It's a mindset. It's a disposition that's bent towards an ear. You know what I mean? Like I'm listening for the Holy Spirit. What is He trying to teach me when my finances are tight? What is He trying to teach me when there might be dissension in my home? Or something in my marriage. What is he trying to teach me? And uh, with something with my children, rebellion in my children, whatever it may be. We have to have that mindset that's, that's bent towards uh, being receptive to the Lord. Yielding to the Lord. And we have to pray about that. First, we have to be aware of it. Again, we talked about a lot of this in Sunday school. Be aware of it. That this is in my life. I'm bent towards pride. I'm bent towards stubbornness. I'm bent towards not wanting to yield. And Lord, change that when it comes to, to my spirit and to my heart and to my mind that I'll be quick. I don't want to be a servant that grieves my Lord. I want to be one that quick to obey and listens to what He's trying to teach me. And just listen to this uh, in uh, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 5. A wise man will hear and will increase learning. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. This is in the first chapter of the Proverbs, verse 5. A wise man, man will. What is he saying? There's a choice there, right? Because a foolish man won't. And it talks about the foolish man later. He rebels against instruction. He, would none of, he doesn't want any of the fear of God. And then the Lord says he's going to laugh when this calamity comes upon him. That foolish man who didn't fear God and didn't want the instruction of the Lord. But we don't want to be that way. We want to be wise. 
We're to be wise in the Lord. A wise man will man will hear and will increase learning. He's going to hear, and because he hears, his learning is going to increase. Spiritual understanding. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. He's going to be that. They might, we not, might not be that educated in school, for example, or have some high degree. Maybe you do, but this is different. This is wise counsel that's going to come out of the heart of a man or a woman or even a young person that is willing to hear and to listen and to let God speak to them and deal with them. The Holy Spirit, y'all, is our teacher. Amen? The Holy Spirit is our teacher, and we couldn't ask for a better teacher than that. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, is from John 14, 26. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. We all know that scripture. We've heard it, but it's a wonderful scripture. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. He's our instructor. The Word of God is our instructor. And the Holy Spirit uses the Word of God to teach us. He can teach a lost man that Jesus is the way, the truth, and life, and they need to be born again, and how to get saved. And then He teaches a saved man once He comes to live in our hearts. He leads us day by day by His Word into all of God's things and precepts that He has for us. He's our instructor, and He leads us. Amen? And we don't want to refuse and buck against what God is trying to teach us. And... Uh, it says that the Jews, for example, um, in Paul's day, in the book of Acts, in that last chapter, and it says that the heart of this people, this is how the book of Acts basically ends, with Paul in prison there, and he's ministering to the Jews in Rome from prison. He says, for the heart of this people is wax gross, and their eyes are dull of hearing. I'm sorry, their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes, they have closed. That's a choice. I've often read through that and I thought, well, they're just blinded and deaf. They are, but it was also a choice. It says their ears are dull of hearing, so they've heard it, but they didn't really hear. And their eyes, they have closed. That's a choice they made. I'm closing my eyes to this. You can keep talking to me or keep showing me, but I'm not going to receive it. It says, lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and sheep should be converted, and I should heal them. As an Old Testament scripture, it's used in the Gospels as well, in the parable of the seed and the sowers, and it's used here at the, at the end of the book of Acts, because we have a choice to make. We're not just robots, y'all. God didn't make us robots. He doesn't force a lost man to be saved. He'll do everything because He loves them. He's not willing that any perish. He'll do everything He can to bring that man to salvation, but He'll never usurp their ability or freedom to choose. He'll never do that. If he could, or if he would, then everybody would save. He'd be, he would just save everybody. You know what I mean? Even people that are don't want to be. But it's a choice. And same for us as believers. How we would yield to God, and, and the extent to which we yield to God is the extent that we're going to grow. If we insist on our own way and persist in our own way, then God's going to have to, uh, He's going to have to deal with us and chasten us more as His children. I'll just read this from 1 Peter 5. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. And it goes on to say, Humble yourselves therefore unto the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time. And I would just say we need to, we need to see what God is trying to teach us. What is He trying to do in my life? And be obedient to what He's trying to do in our lives. Jesus said, take my yoke and learn of me. That's a commandment, but it's also an invitation, right? Take my yoke and learn of me. But everybody doesn't, right? Learn of me, He says. Learn of me. And, and with it comes a great reward. I'm, I'm, you know, you'll find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. But everybody doesn't. Everybody doesn't pursue after that. And y'all, there are... Uh, there can't be any true learning from the Lord and receiving of all the rewards He wants to give us without that humility. It just has to be there. That teachable spirit. And Jesus said in Matthew 23 where He was standing up on the hill overlooking Jerusalem. This was getting close to when He was going to the cross. And He says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, right? 
that which killeth the stone the prophets and killed them or sent to you, how often I would have gathered you together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you would not. Behold, your house is left to you desolate. And so there's consequences for it. But there's great reward for, for coming to the Lord, learning from the Lord. Paul learned to be content, and he, be, he learned to be content in whatever state he was in. And I really was wondering, how, how is that possible? I mean, to really, in every state, what if you had some uh, very painful physical condition that you lived with, didn't just go away? You know, what if you were in prison, like in China right now, and you went out and witnessed and preached the Word of God and shared the Gospel with somebody, and you got arrested, and your church got burned down, and your wives and children got, you know, wife and children got taken from you. You know what I mean? How can you be content in every circumstance? It's only possible when our contentment, as I said earlier, is in the Lord, in our relationship with Him. He gives that. I want you to look at a couple more scriptures here. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Second Corinthians, uh, no, I'm sorry, Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. 11:23. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant in stripes above measure in prison, more frequent in deaths oft of the Jews. Five times received I 40 stripes, save one. Thrice I was, uh, was I beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck a night and a day. I have been in the deep in journeys often in perils in, of waters in perils of robbers in perils of my own countrymen in perils of uh, by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness, in painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and in thirst, and in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. And so, and yet he learned to be content in every circumstance. And y'all, we learn, and I'm going to be bringing this to a close, but we learn little by little. We learn through experience. We learn day by day. We learn walking with the Lord, just like a little child. And I think uh, uh, Chris and Jenna have these two little children, and and they, they're learning little by little. There's not just one day necessarily where you can notice that they grew. You know, there's not one, physically, there's maybe not one day you notice where they uh, learned a lot of knowledge, you know, or understanding. Maybe the day they first spoke or something, you can remember that, or stood up on their feet and didn't fall down. Um, but, but we learn little by little. We learn little by little. We learn day by day. That's God's way of doing it. We learn that God is faithful. We learn that His Word is true and that we can trust Him and we can stand upon it. We learn on our knees in prayer before the Lord. There's not a devotional you're going to read that's going to take the place of that. Okay? And I'm all for devotionals. We talked about last Sunday about sitting at the feet of Jesus. Like Mary chose that better part that wasn't going to be taken from her. You're sitting at the feet of the Lord. But we learned uh, that God is faithful. We learned that God answers those prayers. Maybe not just, Lord, heal me. He could do that too. But maybe, maybe He wants us to, to strive in prayer. Maybe he wants us to learn how to persist in prayer. Maybe that's something he's trying to teach us. And then he heals. Or that lost loved one that you have that doesn't know Jesus and you're praying for their salvation and 30 years have passed and they're still not saved. He still wants us to pray for them. Okay? But we learn. We learn that there's a fellowship with God in our, in our, in our suffering that we don't have in any other part of life. We learn these things. Okay? And God teaches us. And I just thank the Lord that we, we learn that He's Jehovah Jireh, for example. He is our provider. Well, how are we going to learn that if we already had everything we wanted? And the bank account was totally full and the house was paid, paid for, you know, and there was never any want. Sometimes He'll let us suffer a measure of want or lack so that our faith can be in God and He can teach us that He is Jehovah Jireh. 
But my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And so, uh, we learn these things. If you're in 2 Corinthians, uh, turn back to chapter 6. I'll just read a couple of verses. Verse 3 says, Giving no offense in anything, that the ministry be not blamed. But in all the, all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience and afflictions and necessities and distresses and stripes, imprisonments, tumults of labor and watchings and fasting by pureness, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love, unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor. By evil report and good report, as deceivers yet true, as unknown yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as ch chastened and not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. There's a contentment that Paul had, and there's a contentment that he's, they were being taught from the Word of God right here. Y'all, and the key is this, that the Lord is ours. He is ours. I am my beloved and, he, beloved, and He is mine. And that can never, ever be taken away. And we need to prize that. We need to value that relationship personally with Jesus Christ above all. And the contentment will come from Him. Y'all, the Lord is ours. He stands with us. I'm just going to read a couple of scriptures. You don't have to turn this. Um, it said, Paul said that night, this is when he was arrested on, on his... One of his many times, but this was going to be like leading to his being martyred. It says, That night following, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so thou, so must thou bear witness also in Rome. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul. So to understand that the Lord is with us, He's standing with us. When Stephen stood for the Lord and got stoned, okay, the first martyr we read about in the New Testament, the Bible says, he says, I see the Son of Man standing, not sitting, standing at the right hand of the Father. And the Lord received him. The Lord is standing for us, and He's with us. And Paul said, it was two times in Acts, the Lord stood by me, the Lord is with me. Y'all, the joy and the contentment comes to us from the Lord. This is so simple. It's so basic. But it comes from the Lord. Peace comes to our hearts. By faith in Jesus Christ. The love of God. The Bible said. Is shed abroad in our heart. How? By the Holy Spirit. Everything that we have need of. The joy. The peace. The love. That everybody so longs for. It all comes from the Lord. And our relationship with Him. It comes from Him. It comes to His people. Satisfaction comes to a man directly from God. I'll close with a few scriptures here. It says in Psalm 107, uh, For He satisfies the long, longing soul, and He filleth the hungry soul with goodness. The Lord does that. There won't be anything else that can do that. But if He does do that and can do that, then we have that contentment. You see what I mean? The Lord. He satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul, the heart, with goodness. It comes to us from God. And so, uh, y'all, I know I said, I know we're a little cramped in here until God moves us out. Pray it soon. But I want to still try to establish an altar the best we can. Whether that's turning around and kneeling those little pillows that are around, uh, kneeling there at your chair, or coming up here, or walking around, but to establish an altar the best that we can. Uh, I don't want to neglect that simply and say, well, we're kind of crowded, so we can't do that. But I want to just open the altars now. David said the Psalm in Psalm 34, I will bless the Lord at all times. There's that contentment. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. That's a choice that he made. It's a choice that he made. And while the altars are open now, I want to read a, a scripture, even if you're praying, if you want to kneel there by your chair. Uh, if you need prayer for something uh, in your, you know, that you, then, then you come up here and I would love to pray for you. We're going to have our prayer meeting tonight and communion as well. But just listen to this as you're praying. From Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6. 
Let your conversation be without covetousness. And be content with such things as you have. For he had said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. And so, Father, we just come before you this morning, God. We bow our hearts before you, and we bend our knee unto our God and our Savior. And Lord, we love you, and we thank you, dear God. The Lord, Paul said, I've learned to be content in whatsoever state I am. And Lord, we pray that you would teach us, Father. I know for myself, so often, I'm discontent because my circumstances aren't the way I would draw them up to be. But God, teach us as your people, a humble people, a holy people, God, a thankful people, God, to be thankful, to be content wherever we are, whatever our circumstances are, to not pursue after vain things, to not wait until everything's perfect and then we'll say we'll be happy. Help us to be happy in Jesus, God, right now. If the phone rings and we get some bad news, God, let us find our strength and our peace and our contentment and our hope and our joy and our rest in you, Lord, and in you alone. And when everything is going wonderful, help us not get lifted up with pride or carelessness, God. Help us to realize and be thankful that it all comes from you, God. The Lord gives and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord, Job said. Teach us, God, by the working of your spirit, day by day, through the trials of life, on our knees in prayer, God, teach us to be content. Help this church body right here. Help us to be a content people, even our young children, God. Teach them to be content, God, in Jesus, Lord. And would you give us that teachable, humble spirit that's quick to learn, that we wouldn't resist or grieve the Holy Spirit. We would have such, uh, just be on the edge of our seats listening for the voice of God and ready to obey, even when it looks scary, even when it looks hard, God. Would you give us faith, God, to trust you and to believe you, God. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.